Welcome to Radio Chicken. I'm your host, Matt DeVoice, founder of the world's greatest chick coop company, Carolina Coops. Joining me from Raleigh, North Carolina, is our very own chicken aficionado, chicken nista, chicken expert, Kristen Warren. We are teaming up to bring you the most entertaining and educational podcast about all things chicken. Good morning! How I'm you? so excited to do this again. I, I couldn't wait. Uh, I've been up since probably, well, I want to, well, today was a rough morning from the business side of things, but definitely uh, didn't sleep well last night. I'm so happy you're here. Uh, so again, everyone out there, if you're listening right now, thank you so much. If you have any questions, 929-32-COOPS. All right. So Kristen, I have a surprise for you and everyone this morning. I took a call over the weekend from a customer and they have not received their chicken coop yet. They're actually going to be getting it next week. They are just outside of Detroit, Michigan, and her name is Cheryl, and her husband, uh, ha- Don, have adventured on their very first chickens, and they just got their baby chickens in, and they're very excited, but they had quite the beginning experience, and I have to say, I'm very proud of them. I've never heard of this before. So I wanted to bring Cheryl in here in a little bit. We're gonna, um, I'm going to hear her story real quick. And, of course, Kristen, I can't wait to get your thoughts on this. And, of course, everyone out there listening, one of the things I want you to realize is, you know, the question we get a lot is where can we get baby chicks? Well, one of them is through the mail, believe it or not, right? Right. Yes, and there's so many hatcheries out there that you can actually order your chicks in, and it's incredible. You know, you would think that all of them are going to show up DOA or, you know, dead on arrival, but that's not always the case. Uh, at least for me, I know we've probably done over a thousand of them. Maybe I've had two DOA. So I think that's pretty good, but there's definitely advantages uh, to ordering your baby chicks online. And of course, going to your local um, agricultural store, Cheryl from Detroit, Michigan. Cheryl, good morning. Are you there? Good morning. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. Well, I can't thank you enough for being here this morning. We had a conversation over the weekend. Uh, I know you guys are getting excited for your chicken coop. And you mentioned to me an experience you had with your baby chick. So I'd love to hear about that. Uh, So let's first um, start us off. How many baby chicks did you order? So Cheryl, how many baby chicks did you order? And where did you get them from? Uh, We ordered uh, 16 baby chicks. And uh, from McMurray Hatchery. Okay. And um, they all always include a surprise chick. Um, don't ask me what what he or she what it is because I don't know yet. But um, so we have seventeen, or we did. Um, and uh, when the little chicks arrived in their little box, I went to the post office to pick them up. And when we opened the box, the poor little one at the very bottom was kind of trampled. So we're now down to 16 little chicks. So we take them home to the coop and um, take them out one by one and examine them and make sure they're okay. And about halfway through, we noticed this little one had one leg on one side was straight out, like right angles to its body, apparently called a splayed leg. Um, so if you can picture, he's standing on one foot and his other foot is stretched right. right out to the side 90 degrees. So we thought, oh my goodness, what what on earth is this? So we quickly 
um, looked up online baby chicks with, with, you know, leg out to the side, and they said it was this is a splayed leg, and if you want to try to help them, then you have to somehow fashion something that will keep his leg not not completely together, but um, together enough that they're it's they're under his body to support him in a normal balance. So the lady who was helping me, we had no vet tape or any anything that we could think of to to do it. So we took a, she took a rubber band. And I held the little chick, and we we put loops around the one ankle, just above the ankle, and then allowed about maybe an inch or maybe half an inch between the legs and fashioned another loop on the right side, and um, not tightly so that it didn't cut off his circulation, but just gently. And uh, we did confine her, rather, for about, I'd say, two days, two or three days. And I think on the last day, um, I started putting him in the big coop with his, her, I always say him. It's okay. But her in the big coop with um, her sisters. And she seemed to be very happy with that. So I think we probably spent one more night in her little box with her water and food. And finally, on the third or fourth day, we put her back in, cut the band, and we can't tell now which is which is her. She's walking around, running around, and uh, being very happy. So we were very, very pleased with our surgery. And so am I. So that is just, I thought, an absolutely incredible story. So that is something I've never experienced myself. Kristen, have you ever experienced splayed leg? Yes, I have. have you- and I had my, my kids do a splint for me, and it was a great arts and crafts project, but it worked. Gotcha. Yeah. So I thought that was just absolutely incredible. Uh, most times, I hate to say this, but when you see that on a baby chick, the chances of them surviving is slim to none. Um, and here, Cheryl's got her first batch of baby chicks ever. And what a first experience. And I, I tell you, bravo. Awesome. Uh, you looked it up. You, you identified what the problem is. And what a great solution, a very simple solution. Uh, and, and now it was. And, and then to hear, you can't tell which one she is. I just think that's absolutely awesome. That's a great sign. Uh, what breeds of ch- uh, baby chicks did you get? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I have two of, of six or seven. No, I guess two of eight breeds. Um, if you want to know exactly, I'll have to go to my brooder <laughs> no, and that... get my little list. <laughs> no, that's quite all right. That's quite all right. So I just I wanted you to be able to share that story because I know a lot of listeners out there, especially if they're on the fence and thinking about getting baby chicks. Uh, when I do tell people, yeah, you can order them in the mail. And Murray McMurray, uh, great company. We've bought a lot of baby chicks from them. Uh, of course, everyone's probably watched a little bit of uh, Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe. He actually went there and did a show at Murray McMurray. And there's a lot of other great hatcheries out there, which hopefully one day will be a sponsor of the show. Um, and I know I have some of my personal favorite hatcheries out there and which leads us into probably a a future show how many times people ask us you know what is our favorite breed and why and i have identified some hatcheries out there that have very specifically awesome breeds so cheryl awesome job thank you so much for calling in this morning Uh, i can't wait to see you guys Uh, next week we're going to be coming out to michigan with a big beautiful 
custom chicken coop. Uh, it's so big that we can't fit the walls in our main trailer. So we actually got to bring our big deck over and stand the walls up. So it's going to be quite interesting. We have some beautiful weather. So I hope you're excited. We are. We can't wait to see you. Awesome, Cheryl. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And we'll talk to you soon. Very good. Thank you. You're welcome. Coming up soon is a gentleman by the name of Brian Mowgli. He is an industrial hemp expert. Uh, we've been working with him. God, I lost count. And I, I can't wait to get talking to him because there's, there's so many myths. There's so many questions that people have about industrial hemp. And, of course, it's a hot topic. I love the stories. It, wasn't that a great story? Yes. I could listen to chicken stories all day. I know. And can you imagine uh, for your first time getting baby chicks and then you got the splay leg and they, they conquered it and you can't tell. So from Houston, Texas. Good morning, Levi. Well, the, the, the idea is Houston, Texas, but we're in Chapel Hill. I'm actually Nancy Swanson's husband. You chatted with her last week. So quick question for you because I won't take up too much time. One, call out to our favorite hatchery, uh, Dragonfly, North Carolina. Uh, they're out in Hillsboro, and they do some really cool breeds. If you're looking for, like, Alpensellers or I am Samani's, unique breeds like that, she's got them. Uh, she's an amazing breeder, Kim Casadante. Question for you is we've got a new set of chicks in. And uh, they're in the garage right now. They're about five weeks old. Uh, we've got some mature chicks in the coop that we got from you a couple years ago, which is an amazing coop. Uh, shout out to you guys for that. And just kind of looking for your thoughts on incorporating them in. What we did last year was we took the small version of the coop that we have in our garage. We put it inside the big coop, and we let them sort of acclimate over the course of a week, close to two weeks and then start to let the big ones out to free range during the day, and then let the little ones move around the inside of the coop. And we kept doing this to bring them together. We've heard conflicting sort of information that said, hey, you know, you could just stick them in the roost at night, and then when they wake up, they're all together. I, I never thought that was a great idea. What do, you, what do you guys think? Is there any best practices for bringing, you know, the new little ones into, uh, into the flock with the bigger ones? Well, if you put them in the coop at night and they wake up together, it they're still going to have to establish that pecking order. So it, you're still going to have a difficult time if there's a size difference the next day. Well, Sticking them yeah, in that's, at that's night is not found. a magic solution. They don't just wake up and say, oh, you've always been here. They're not quite that stupid. Right. Um, so yeah, it sounds like you went about it the right way. Okay. So just continue to do that sort of thing which is to bring them together really slowly over the course of a week to two weeks and then let them get to know each other when uh, when the little ones can get away from them for instance in a free range yes environment absolutely i mean okay. that, that is one thing i've seen firsthand being able to give them space that can make all the difference in the world and i'll never you know it's amazing too even as they get older and they start to tolerate each other it's amazing when they do go out in free range or out in that yard they'll still separate amongst their groups, their sisters. It's absolutely incredible. Um, you know, and you did ask, you know, best practices about acclimating um, younger hens to older hens. And that is something that uh, Kristen, I'm not sure, you know, we, I want to do a show in a couple of weeks talking about it. And I, I do have videos at our YouTube channel out there uh, talking about one of the best ways to make sure you can introduce new hens to your existing flock. Yeah, it's not going to help your situation, but my favorite favorite thing is to introduce new chicks with a broody hen and when my hens go broody yeah. every spring or every summer it is such a blessing to have that broody hen to take 
new chicks and re refresh really your flock for the coming year. Um, I have right now four broody hens and one mother. So they are all sitting on eggs or golf balls, depending on if I'm going to buy hatchery chicks that are already sexed or I have fertilized eggs. Those are under those broody hens. So when they have their babies, whether they're natural born babies or they're um, hatchery babies, those chicks are part of the flock from day one. They inherit the mother hen's place in the pecking order. And there's no integration issues whatsoever. They are part of the flock. So that is my favorite way, but it's not possible every time to have the right timing or to have that hen go broody because so many of our our egg-laying hens are, are not bred for that. They're bred for egg-laying, so that reduces the tendency to be broody. But a lot of our full-size hens can, like the Orpington or the Cochin, um, sometimes in Americana. So it just it just depends. Sometimes yeah. it's a matter of time. The right timing. We never got the timing yeah. just right to get the broody. We would love to try it that way. Uh, you know, we've only yes, seen one is. of our hens really go broody for a long period of time. And it was really cool to watch. And she was pretty aggressive when you tried to get the egg. But, you know, we were wishing we could have hatched at that point. Kind of missed the window. Right, right. That is the tricky part. So I also do want to mention something. Um, I, I and I apologize. I came up uh, from Houston, Texas, but you said you're in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, Dragonfly is a Dragonfly Hatchery. Is that what it's called? Dragonflync.com, all one word, and they're out of Hillsboro, North Carolina. So here, yeah. so Kristen, uh, how many you bought some baby chicks from her uh, this past spring? Yeah, I got some hatching eggs around Thanksgiving from her. And, and they have turned into oh. beautiful, beautiful birds, and they're all laying right now, too. And, you know, a lot of people are maybe not aware of that Sermani breed. Uh, it's, yeah. You know, they're so sweet, and they're so kind, and they're so cool to look at, especially when the sunlight hits their black feathers and they start to get this iridescent green. Um, we absolutely love that breed. That one and her black copper morans are just amazing birds. She does a phenomenal job with both those breeds. Yep, those are my one of my my absolute favorite is that black copper moran. Um, if, if for our listeners, if you're not familiar with that breed, definitely Google it. And one of the things that you'll learn about when you get into the backyard chicken hobby, uh, first thing is going to kick in is chicken math. You're going to get more chickens. And I want to say the second thing that kicks in is it is cool to have that beautiful chicken walking around the yard. Um, I know for a lot of people and me, I started becoming obsessed with the color of the eggs. So uh, when you can have, you know, it's like, a, it's like a fruit basket, but it's for eggs. You have all those different colors. That black copper moran laying those beautiful, beautiful dark chocolate eggs is absolutely stunning. And those sermonis are incredible. If you're not familiar with the sermonis, the all black, all black feathers, the comb, the waddles, the eyes, the legs, and it even goes inside, right? The, the bones, the meat. That's My correct. family calls yep. those yep. the You can open their mouth, look right down their throat, and it's jet black. It's amazing. Yeah, that is awesome. So the other thing about Dragonfly that I want to give them a shout out, and I am due to go out and see her. Uh, Chris and I, I'm so happy that you got a chance to go out there. So thank you so much for calling in. Um, I appreciate it. If you have any other questions, if you want to submit them at RadioChicken.com. Uh, but I can't thank you enough for your business and your compliments. Thanks for the uh, thanks for taking the call, and you guys are doing a great job. Have a great day. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Coming in right now is Brian. Uh, he's coming in here. Brian, good morning. Thank you for taking the time to uh, join us this morning. Absolutely. Absolutely, Matt. Thanks for having me on. 
Thank you. So Brian uh, and I, we've been working together uh, importing industrial hemp for, gosh, I want to say four or five, maybe even six years now. And I, what I wanted to do this morning, Brian, if, if you could, I'd love to get into um, some of the basics so we can educate our uh, listeners about industrial hemp, uh, maybe a little bit of the history. And of course, I have some questions that I wanted to hammer out. But one of the first things that I, I would love to hear you talk about is a lot of people still think when we say hemp, they think marijuana. They think we're a bunch of hippies mm -hmm. getting uh, high off of our chicken bedding. Uh, can, can you tell us what is the difference between the hemp and actual regular marijuana? Right, right. It's a, you know, definitely a common question. Um, I think the best way to say it is that hemp, industrial hemp, has a long history. What it is, is a bast fiber. Uh, there are many bast fiber plants, uh, such as flax, for instance, is a bast fiber. Uh, Canaf is a bast fiber. Industrial hemp is almost the super fast fiber. Um, it has been cultivated for an incredibly long time. Uh, the development of, you know, recreational or medicinal uh, marijuana is a very recent development in the history of industrial hemp. Um, you know, kind of a comparison that I, I use quite often that kind of I think makes a good uh, distinction of the difference is that the difference between industrial hemp and, and marijuana is kind of like the difference between corn and whiskey, right? Mm. There's some differences, obviously, but it's kind of the same thing. You know, it's it's what it's you know, it's it's made. Marijuana is obviously indirectly derived from industrial hemp, but it's a very specific you know kind of cultivation pattern. Whereas industrial hemp, the primary purpose has actually been fiber production and and grain production. So there's actually a really long and uh, interesting history of which. You know, we're actually in Carolina Coops is actually a part of that history right now. We're, we're kind of making that history. So um, but a very, very different history and uh, definitely understandable that, that people have questions about the differences because it has been uh, confused and confusing. Um, so, you know, always these questions definitely, definitely come up. And that's kind of how I answer it generally. Yeah, no, that's a great answer, especially the comparison between whiskey and corn. Uh, this morning, uh, when I was thinking about this conversation coming up, I was like, yo, there has to be a good analogy. Because I know for people like me, that helps make sense of it. But I'll never forget, you know, uh, maybe a year ago when I started uh, creating a mark or a logo for our in industrial hemp brand, um, someone on YouTube actually said, I will no longer follow you, subscribe. I spent 30 years on the streets uh, fighting against this drug. And I was just like, my gosh, you know, it's it's the perception is, uh, it, it's real. And I want nothing more, again, you know, with this radiochicken.com especially, uh, and with our YouTube channel to continue to help educate because I can tell you, firsthand um and, and for our listeners if you've never seen industrial hemp um, and you're thinking about getting the chickens or maybe you already have a chicken coop and we're huge advocates of the deep litter system and what we've learned is using industrial hemp as the bedding has just been absolutely incredible um and we've got videos out there talking about why but brian i would love um i know you primarily focus on the horse industry but at the end of the day it's still a material that acts like the diaper it's for absorption what is it about industrial hemp that makes it so much better than say you know, commonly most people will use pine shavings it's a good question and it kind of gets back to the you know original definition of what is a bass fiber uh, and a bass fiber is a really intelligent plant structure that essentially has 
two almost opposite uh, plant fibers in its stalk that basically do opposite things. So you have the outer shell and the inner core. Those are the two fibers and they do opposite things. So the outer shell is like a, a suit of armor and its job is basically to repel, uh, it's, it, it repels moisture essentially. Uh, whereas interestingly enough, the interior part of the fiber does the opposite. It withholds and absorbs and sucks in moisture. So it's almost like the outer shell is like a filter that says nothing can come in. And then once things have gotten past that outer barrier, the core is the opposite. Hold everything in that's that's gotten past that barrier to, to vastly oversimplify. Now those uh, properties, after we've harvested the plant, still hold true. So the inner core fiber, which is known as, as hemp herd, is extremely absorbent even after it's been harvested and processed. Whereas the outer uh, bast fiber is kind of the opposite. It, it repels moisture quite well. And that's why it's so useful in like clothing, for instance. Uh, we use it in the, it's actually good in the horticultural industry for that reason to kind of let the moisture sit. So that's why we're getting these such amazing, uh, you know, uh, benefits with the industrial hemp bedding. It's the absorbency is, is, is unlike anything we've ever seen. And uh, the availability of pure hemp herd is at a greater level than it's probably ever been, um, you know, because of, of where we're at right now. Um, so it's, you know, it's kind of like, it's almost like the first time this kind of material has, has hit you know, in, in such a scale. So we're kind of, you know, it's, it, we're kind of just seeing the beginnings of, of what can be done. I think, you know, as Carolina Coops has proven, it's going to become a much more, um, much more widespread material as, you know, as, you know, the, the news spreads and more and more stories are uh, come around. Um, so, you know, it's kind of interesting point to be at. Oh, absolutely. And I tell you, I couldn't be happier to be a part of it. As soon as I discovered uh, industrial hemp, I, I got pumped. I got excited. I couldn't wait to be a part of this because I have just, I'm, I'm amazed. It literally is, you know, especially with our chicken coops at carolinacoops.com with our deep litter system. Still, a lot of people are like, well, one, what's a deep litter system? Um, and I think we'll talk a little bit about that today, but we'll definitely talk about it more in some upcoming shows. But we, if you have any questions, you can go to deeplitter.com, which will also bring you to Carolina Coops. Um, but it's just set it and forget it system all you're doing is composting and i tell you that industrial hemp it, it, it's so incredible that a lot of times people ask me you know well when is it time to clean it out and i have had a couple customers have a hard time realizing you clean it out based on smell or you add the industrial hemp based on smell not visual where i have seen hen houses just loaded with chicken droppings and if it was pine shavings it would be nasty it would definitely turn into a sanitation issue um, so one of the other questions I had, and you kind of hit it on, hit on it a little bit, and we run into this problem a lot. Like when we're shipping out these bales of hemp, I always tell our customers, especially when they buy a chicken coop, it is cheaper, uh, for the shipping part of it to try to smuggle on, if you will, uh, to sometimes four bales on with a chick coop versus shipping it separately. But one of the uh, complaints customers have, and this is kind of because it's such a good product, it lasts forever. Where do I store this? And how long can I store it? Is there what what is the sh shelf life for industrial hemp? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's a it's a valid question. Um, you know, and I, I definitely recommend uh, you know as much as possible to you know keep keep the materials uh, out of the sun as much as possible. Cool, dry place. That being said, you know the the, the shelf life is quite long. I mean, I do have I do have a experimental bale sitting here in my shop that's four years old. That's you know, still doing just fine. Obviously, you know, I, I'm not recommending keeping something that long, but just <laughs> to say that keep the moisture away because the moisture is obviously what's going to start to break it down, but keep it nice and dry, keep it dark and should be able to last indefinitely, you know, two years should be fine. I, I wouldn't condone necessarily anything longer than that. And I imagine I'm just always practicing good, good storage. Yeah, you I know, believe it's it. cool, cool, dry space. Um, yeah. and store your hemp there and keep it up off the ground maybe, especially if it's sitting on concrete, if you have it in a shed. Uh, yep. It's just like a lot of other things. You don't want to trap moisture. Um, so another thing yep. I wanted to, I want to toot our horns here a little bit. I want to toot the horn for the industrial hemp that's coming in from France. We import it from France. And, you know, there, there's other hemp out there for sure. And I used to purchase a lot of the other hemp. And one of the things I discovered and this really sucks for me because I'm an asthmatic. And, I, you know, I'll never forget I was dumping the bale of hemp in the back of the uh, hen house showing the customer you know, how great this product is. And it's, it's dust-free or next is, you know, very close to dust-free. Well, I'm dying. I'm coughing. There's all this dust coming out. I'm thinking, what in the world happened here? Um, and it was actually at that point, I think, we started uh, shopping around. That's when we found you. Uh, I would love for you to talk a little bit what makes our hemp better than anybody else's that's out there right yeah i mean i i can definitely uh connect with the story you know france is uh kind of the the benchmark and so a lot kept happening in france uh after you know we had prohibition in this country but uh, that it actually continued in france um even though you know worldwide uh hemp and, and bass fiber production in general did decline france was kind of kind of the hub so um Finally, I think there's a little bit of traction in the, in the in America, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. As, as far Absolutely. as farming and growing in, I know we've gotten a couple phone calls from people soliciting us for our business, and so I've been listening to them yep. and picking their brain. And what's funny is they're almost giving me the same pitch of something that I've already, you've already educated me about what France has been doing for a long time. And of course, when this right. can be perfected in the United States, I can't wait because I, I definitely want to be able to offer it at a less of a price. You know, it's going to be a smaller carbon yep. footprint, if you will. It's not being, you know, shipped over from France. Uh, that's all good stuff. But more importantly, right. we're going to get scientific. We're going to we, – we got some samples sent to us that I was told this is the most absorbent material out there. And uh, we're going we're gonna to put it up against our stuff once it comes in, <laughs> uh, which will hopefully be soon, right? Right, Brian? Very soon, very soon. We're going to work on that as soon as we get off the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we um, – so everyone out there, I know, and, and I can't thank you enough. We have a waiting list right now of – you know, I, I guess I'm bragging a little bit, but I feel awful because I know when I buy stuff online, I want it now. We're pushing almost 300 people now waiting uh, for this hemp to come in. So we now actually have two containers coming in, uh, and that's – our UPS guy is going to hate us. But if you are brand new to industrial hemp, go check it out, and if you're – you know, thinking about building your own chicken coop, maybe you already have a chicken coop and you're using pine shavings, you will be amazed at how well that industrial hemp works. Now, the one thing, you know, I, I did want to mention too that a lot of people are going to have, and that's sticker shock. 
you know, so for example, like the bales of hemp we sell, they're 40 pounds. No, I'm sorry, they're 44 pounds and we sell them for $40. When you compare that to pine shavings, I mean, it's way more expensive. But the difference is it lasts so much longer where it ends up being cheaper, especially if you value your time when it comes to cleaning. So we're going to be running that test. Um, and Brian, I'll definitely let you know about that. Um, so as far as it being produced in the United States, how's, how's it looking on your end? I know we've talked about uh, even where we are in the uh, upstate New York area, corn country, apparently wherever corn grows well, industrial hemp grows well, correct? Right. Yeah, that's a good that's a good rule of thumb. Uh, follow the follow the corn land. And, you know, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the interest is it's been strong, I think, in, in, in my particularly in my past four years uh, working with these materials. But particularly right now, I think a lot of people are thinking about, uh, you know, building resilient uh, production and bioeconomy and, and wanting to see production locally. So. It's uh, it's coming through. It's coming through heavy right now, particularly as Matt mentioned, we've been upstate New York area, Pennsylvania. Uh, so you know we're actually creating um, essentially a, a knowledge transfer uh, program mm. with our partners in France, where you know because we don't want to create the wheel, we want to get this hemp production thing going as as efficient and quickly as we can. Um, so we're essentially building off of the experience and work that's already been done in France and building, uh, you know, trying to create agricultural cooperatives uh, built around the model that's been proven successful in France. Uh, we have a pilot project starting in uh, eastern Pennsylvania uh, this year where we're going to be training just a small group of farmers to, to start. Awesome. Um, you know, awesome. So, awesome. Yeah, you know, it's. Yeah, it's just about it's about building off of what we what we have to already to, to draw from. No so sense in reinventing really, the wheel yeah. for sure. All right. Yeah, yeah. So Brian, we're coming up to um, uh, kind of a stop, unfortunately. But I wanted to uh, thank awesome. you real quick. Can't thank you enough for coming on, um, yeah. helping our listeners to educate, and you know, again, learn about industrial hemp. It's not weed. Your chickens aren't going to be eating it and getting high. You know, it's not those things that I've heard. It's crazy. Uh, Kristen, any questions? Um, any, you know, I know you have a lot of experience with industrial hemp. We've been working together for a while. Um, just would love to get your thoughts, feedbacks, you know, uh, as far as your use with industrial hemp, especially, you know, something else has been coming up a lot, which you have way more experience than I do, uh, is with ducks and using maybe the deep litter system and, in this case, industrial hemp. Well, going back a long time, I remember I introduced you to deep litter, and you were a skeptic, right? You were like, no way, no way. So you had to come to my house and see this firsthand. Um, and you, then you took my idea, or wasn't my idea, but my practice, and built it into your chicken coop. And then you even took it another step farther at the material from pine shaving. And it was working, but you made it even better when you discovered this industrial hemp. And I was a skeptic at the time. I was like, no, the pine shavings, they're fine. They're cheap. You know, I'm frugal minded. <laughs> they're, I know you're laughing. Um, but it, I, being a skeptic, I have to admit that once I started using it, I was, I was sold. Yeah. I was absolutely sold. <laughs> and it does save money over time. Uh, something else I might point out as the, is these bales are compressed. Um, so even though they are expensive, they're wrapped in plastic. So they do store well, they stay high and they are compressed. So they spread out and they 
they really last a long time. I mean, I, I'm a proponent of really never cleaning out your chicken coop if you don't need to. So yeah, and I can't, it, I, it definitely works. I can't wait to talk awesome. more about that. So Brian, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be talking yeah, soon. Please uh, help us get those containers over. We got a lot of people waiting for it, except <laughs> for our UPS man. Thank you guys. Thank Thanks, you buddy. for your time. We'll talk. It's awesome. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. You too. So, yeah, sorry about that, Chris. I didn't mean to cut you off there. We're starting to glitch a nope, little good. bit. But, you know, no, that's a great, great point. And, um, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is pine pine shavings is it's just more of a woody, harder material. It just doesn't break down as well, and that's the nice thing about the industrial hemp. And the other thing is hemp is harvested from seed to stalk in 90 days compared to a tree growing, you know. So when you throw in the, uh, the, the green factor, it's just a remarkable product to me it's a no-brainer it is so exciting that that is starting here in the united states too i know it's all about processing it, it really, really is really and get it, the right product yeah, to us but exactly of course us americans we know everything we're gonna make it better um but like you know brian was saying there's no sense of reinventing the wheel and that's what i love i'm hoping actually by you know harvest season we get to fly over there and look at it but i might change the plans because if we're going to be doing it here in the united states um don't need to. We're going to learn about it here and hopefully get the price down because uh, it is – well, actually, the product, if you think about it, 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 a great bang for the buck, but it's the shipping. It's the logistics of it that we're working on. Yes. And actually, speaking of industrial hemp, um, we have Emily Adams from New York, New York. Emily Adams from New York, New York is calling about the the use of industrial hemp and deep litter. Oh, in the duck house. So, Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot again because you have way more experience. Emily, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, well, thanks for coming. Sorry to have you on hold for so long. Uh, love your question. Industrial hemp and deep litter in a duck house. This is still pretty fairly new for me. Uh, and like I said, I'm going to put Kristen on the spot. But go ahead. Uh, ask us your question. Well, I have ducks and I have chickens, and the deep litter system makes so much sense, and I'm reading online that people are using that with ducks, and I'm just wondering how that works because my ducks are so messy um, and so wet, and, you know, does it, does it work well in a duck house? It should work well in a duck house. When you have ducks, they should only sleep in the duck house. You don't have open water sources in there. Is that right? That's right. Okay, so that should work just as it would in a chicken coop. Um, the duck's droppings are more liquidy, so it's all about just getting that ratio right. You might need more bedding, and you might need to um, add fresh more often, but it's really all about just keeping that ratio, that carbon to nitrogen ratio correct. So how often do you clean out your do – you, do you do deep litter with your ducks? And if so, how often do you actually clean out your duck house? I do not have ducks right now. Um, but when I did have ducks, I kept deep litter. And I really didn't clean it out. I just added fresh and made sure that it was mixed, maybe toss it with a pitchfork every now and then, um, just to keep it keep it fresh. Right. I think a lot of it is, you know, I have a lot of faith in the industrial hemp. I think what's going to make the biggest difference is the construction of that containment area for the deep litter. And if the, you know, we know the duck droppings are going to be more wet, there's more liquid, um, I would suspect that all we have to do is add more carbon, in this case, the industrial hemp. And being that it's so absorbent, I think it will do a good job. And we have done a lot of duck houses. And when our customers ask about deep littering it, I've 
leaned away from it until we've been able to do a little bit more research and actually looking for a couple of guinea pigs. And we just got one where she said, yeah, let's go ahead and put deep litter in there. Why can't you? I mean, you can compost anything. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. And, um, you well, know, I'll, I'll be another guinea pig for you. I'll do it and I'll let you know. I would absolutely oh, yes, love, good. please, 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 uh, shoot us an email. You can go right to carolinacooks.com. Let us know that you're on the show. Um, and would love to get some hemp to you. Uh, have, have you ever used industrial hemp before? I, I haven't. I'm one of the 300 people on your waiting list. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for that. I do appreciate it. And um, I, I do apologize. I tell you, this coronavirus, you know, it, it's a lot of people are complaining about it, and it has been, uh, there's been a lot of negative effects. But all in all, I think it's allowing uh, a lot of awareness to come to the surface. And one of them has also even been industrial hemp and realizing how important it can be. Um, is there anything else we could uh, answer for you at this time, Emily? Not at this time. That was my question. I'm, I'm going to try it out. I think it, it's, it'll be a great exper experiment here and we'll see how it goes. Awesome. Well, thank you for calling in. And just as a side Thanks note, I went online to try to find some ducklings this past week and I couldn't find any. Really? No. Sold out for the year. No kidding. The kind what? that I wanted, yeah. Oh, what kind did you want? Mm -hmm. well, Welsh Harlequins. Oh, right, right, like the ones you had before, right, if I remember correctly? Mm -hmm. All right, are we ready for another question? Yes. I thought so. Um, so there is Kathleen from Westchester, Pennsylvania. Good morning, Kathleen. Um, yeah, my question is about your automatic watering system Okay. with the rain barrel and then um, the dispenser. Um, do you ever have to clean that? Like, does the inside ever get, I don't think it would get full of dirt, but just like algae or anything? So I love this question because you would think <laughs> it does. Um, so, <clears throat> so the but answer. Like the pipes in your house don't get like that, you know? So I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, you yeah. know, cause when I, when I have the regular hangers, um, you know, they occasionally get a little mucked up on the inside. So I was just curious. Yeah, so in my experience from my customers, and I have two myself, uh, I've never had to clean out our rain barrel. Now, every situation is going to be a little bit different based on circumstances, especially like if your tree is in the woods and if you're collecting rainwater to fill that rain barrel. Because uh, I know even though we do call it a rain barrel, it doesn't mean you have to collect rainwater, uh, but I definitely think that's the best thing to do. That rain barrel that we use is actually a food-safe, high-density polyethylene, and it's very dark. And I think one of the reasons why we don't have issues with algae growing on the inside is it's dark. There's not a lot of sunlight, if at all, getting in there. Gotcha. And also, um, you know, I have noticed, like when I do look into my barrel and I do check it from time to time, I'll see some debris down in the bottom, but it settles out. And that doesn't bother me at all. Mm -hmm. One thing I do plan on doing, because I do know I have some, uh, especially our YouTube chicken police out there, uh, some naysayers out there questioning about harvesting rainwater and if it's going to get nasty. So, you know, again, from our experience, I've never had an issue. There is one time that um, a customer of ours in Orlando, Florida, she had a huge, huge tree. I can't remember the species uh, over her entire roof. And she had a huge custom run. And she's one of my crazy chicken ladies, and I mean that as a compliment. Uh, she is one of the smartest chicken ladies, and she's actually a doctor. She was having a problem. Her water was becoming stained almost like tea. And it wasn't bothering her chickens, but 
you know, we, we the water's not for us to drink, but it's kind of hard psychologically. You know, we want the best for our chickens. Mm-hmm. Um, that was bothering her. And what we discovered is it was um, organics coming from the leaves that were falling on her roof. And what she did, right. I thought, was just genius. It was like a, 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 a floss filter, like a fine white meshy filter. I wish I could think of the technical name. And she put that over top, or no, I'm sorry, underneath the regular little bit larger hole screen that the water dropped into. And she said that made a huge difference. And then the other thing with our watering system that we've made standard is whether it's heated or non-heated, they all come with a pump. That way, if you ever do want to circulate it for for any reason, uh, if you want to dose it, if you want to put apple cider vinegar in there, you can actually just let that pump come on and then let it circulate the water. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense, everything you said. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for calling. Thank you. This is great. Take care. Thank you. All right. Um, let's do one more uh, caller. Roberto uh, from Rutland, Vermont. I hope I got that correct. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. So it's Roberta and no longer from Rutland, Vermont, upstate New York now. Oh, well, um, welcome to upstate New York. Whereabouts in upstate New York? Outside of Syracuse and close to Clifton Park. So can we pick up? Absolutely. If we need to or is it? Of course okay, you can. I have to remember that. Of course you can. And, and, right, and here's, so a ni- n- here's a nice thing about if you come pick up at our shop, everyone wins a free T-shirt. Yep. Yeah. That's one thing I don't think I've ever told people. Um, I love T-shirts, and I love giving them out even more. And one of the things, it's just become a tradition. When people come visit the shop, it doesn't matter even if they're not even a customer. I've had a family from Utah come out. Uh, we had some ladies drive up from Maryland, and they just came to say hi, and I gave them all T-shirts. It was awesome. So, yes, absolutely. would love for you Great. to stop so- by. Great. So we'll plan a trip because we've got to go pick up some hemp when it does come in. Um, so just a quick comment to make you laugh and then a question about the deep litter method. So this is a quite a new relationship for me and a relationship with a master home builder. And every night when he gets home, he sits down and I hear Carolina Coop video going <laughs> because he's about to build his first chicken tractor. And he's so into doing this absolutely perfectly that he absolutely what you guys are doing every single night (laughs) and I think it's really sweet so we'll see what he comes up with Um, but he thinks you guys are amazing so that's a high compliment coming from him it it absolutely Um, is I love when builders um, appreciate and they can see what it is that we're uh, that what we're doing there's just no bigger compliment yeah he thinks you guys are amazing Uh, Anyway, his first experience with all of this, and once again, trying to endear himself, and I'm reviewing in my head the deep litter method because I haven't done it with the hemp yet, and I just have a question. This is the way I do it. I just go out there every single weekend, turn it over, smell it, add a little bit more if I need to, and I imagine you do the same thing with the hemp. I appreciate that this can go for a couple years without needing to be cleaned out, but I do clean it out every spring. I don't care because it's too warm for my liking. It's right? It stays warm. It's going to heat the coop a little bit as the summer months approach. So I'm going to take it all out and just start with new hemp, whether I need to or not, and then go another year, do it again the next year. My que- I have two questions. My question is, as I'm adding more hemp every weekend, if I need to, is there anything else I should be adding or is that enough, just the hemp? I doubt you really need to add it every weekend. Um, that seems like a lot, okay. but if you'd like to, okay. uh, I don't see anything wrong with it. I've been advised, and sometimes I just throw in a little garden dirt to kick start the composting 
uh, that okay, that makes some sense. people add diatomaceous earth as well. Um, I'm not sure if that's really necessary because you don't have you have the chickens just typically walking over it. They're not taking a dust bath. Exactly, in there. that is something we definitely need to talk about. I think diatomaceous earth gives people the wrong idea, the mode of action, what it's designed for, and again, one of the huge benefits. Okay, that was my that was my next question. But can I just for my own purposes, can I just get you to complete that? I'm hearing you say you kind of go by smell add it when you need to, but other than diatomaceous earth, the sweet, whatever that stuff used to be, whatever, PDZ, anything else but the hemp when you need to add? Do you put anything else in no. there or just hemp? No, just hemp. The, 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 just the hemp. microbes okay, so do now, the job. Here's the thing. If, if, you, like if you have to add diatomaceous earth or if you have to add chicken god herbs and all this other stuff, something's not right. Something's not right. You should always okay. have that perfect balance, that chicken to coop ratio, that 30 parts you know, carbon to one part nitrogen. Uh, not saying things can't come up. Um, you know, th They can, but I tell you, one of the things I always tell my customers, it's a set and forget a system. Don't overthink it. You add the carbon. You add okay. the industrial hemp based on smell. Uh, we don't even stir it up. You know, If you want to stir it up, give your chicken something. Really? Throw, yeah, throw some scratch in there, but... It's just, it's literally a set and forget it system as long as you have the right ratio, uh, chicken to coop ratio, okay, and beautiful. always make sure you keep that 30 to 1 ratio. 30 to 1, use your smell, that's it. That's it. Okay. Sounds a great. Anything Thank else we can do so for much. you at this you time? You guys are above and you are amazing. I've studied everything out there. You guys are amazing. I do have one other quick question. I've never seen the, the uh, roost bars wrapped. The mm -hmm. way you do it, mm -hmm. and I was going to do it this time. How do you clean that? You just unwrap them and use new material once a year. It's hard to clean, no? If you had to clean them, I'm sure it's going to be extremely hard. But I suppose you could power wash it. But here's the thing: you shouldn't have to clean your roost bars ever. I know. Notice that awkward silence. I get that all the time. So I mean, they're defecating. They're going. They're defecating on the roost bar at night. They're pretty gross in the spring when I need to clean them. Why should I not be cleaning them? Uh, something's not right. So now, is this a chicken coop you bought from us, or is this a chicken coop you built yourself? So it's a coop that was in Vermont that somebody somebody actually tried to replicate what you guys are oh, doing, but okay, they're right, not. Right. They're not the man that I'm with now. This man's going to be able to do it. This, right. this was like a poor imitation. <laughs> right. Okay. So here's here's the deal. The only time I see the roost bars get dirty is when people do something I promote, and that is use your hen house as the brooder, let the baby girls grow up, and then usually about four weeks, five weeks, they're like, hey, it's time for me to get up in the trees, and in this case, the, the roost bars inside the right. hen house. Their vent is so much closer to the uh, roost bar. That's when I typically see droppings get on there, and you can easily, if you want, and this is why we have those high-density polyethylene sockets, you pop those roost bars out, yep. and you can go out, and you can power wash it, and then let the sun, the world's best sterilizer, do its thing. Just put it out in the right. sun and let it sterilize it. But as the girls get older, I never see chicken droppings on the roost bars in our coops. When I do see it is in a lot of those Chinese coops where those roost bars are so close and or they are bleacher style, which can cause some problems. Okay, because, because proper spacing means their vent should hang off the side of it, you're saying. Oh, 100%, yes. Right. Yeah, you don't want That's your roost bars. Okay. 
closer than usually 12 inches. I think ours average 13 and a half, and it prevents that problem. Hey, that answers it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm done. Thank you for calling. Ingrid, good morning. Good afternoon. No, it's still morning. Good morning, Ingrid. How are you doing today? Morning, Matt. Good so, morning, Kristen. Also joining us from Raleigh, North Carolina, is our very own. We gave her a new nickname yesterday, the YouTube Gatekeeper. And just like last week, uh, and we're going to do this every week, I want Ingrid to be able to call in. Uh, probably piss me off a little bit, if I may say that, uh, and hopefully maybe put a smile on my face and maybe give me a good question. From the... I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah, this is actually one of my favorite parts. So, Ingrid, how was your weekend? It was good. Awesome. Busy. Good. Did, did I bother you quite a bit? No, you were pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people could only see what goes on behind the scenes. But people want hemp, and that's the bottom line. <laughs> they, they sure do. Um, oh, oh! Did, did, did we get it? There it is. <laughs> that is, that means what you're hearing is you're not being pulled over, I promise. Unless you're in your cubicle in your office. And you still might think you're getting pulled over. How many people are looking over their shoulder right now? That means it is time for the YouTube Chicken Police with our very own Ingrid, our YouTube gatekeeper. So anyways, what do you got for us this week, Ingrid? All right. So we have, do you want to hear the good stuff first? I, I don't know. I'm not going to lie to you. I, uh, today's been a rough <laughs> day. Run a business. I, I, I do love it. But boy, this morning, um, yeah, anyways, uh, right, give I'm me gonna, something I'm good start. first. You want the good stuff? Okay. Well, what, what do you think? Kristen, Kristen, come on. You're, you're, off, you're over there a little quiet. What do you think? Oh, this is just where I get to sit back and enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ingrid, All I'll right, tell well, you. Gonna, you do what you want. I'm going to start with the good stuff. And this was in response to um, the video that you and Kristen did a couple years ago where you cleaned out the coop. Um, so someone said it was actually Preacher's daughter. Um, never, ever in my life thought I would enjoy watching someone clean out a chicken coop. <laughs> I watched the whole thing and was fascinated. Um, I, I think that, you sure that wasn't Kristen? No, it was not. And um, she basically went on to say how it was her grandmother and her mother's most hated chore. And she was amazed how far chicken coops and scientific knowledge about raising chickens have advanced since I was a child. These Carolina coops are gorgeous and so well thought out, I'm sort of in shock. Cool vid. Awesome, awesome. What was her, what was the name again? It was well. It was a it was a moniker. It was preachers. It looks like pe preachers daughter. Okay, preachers daughter. Thank you so much. What a perfect preachers daughter. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> and you know what, Kristen, we're due. We are due for another video cleaning out uh, one of our chicken coops and showing how easy it is. So if you're listening right now and you're not sure what in the world we're talking about. Go to our YouTube channel. Uh, Ingrid, how would people find that particular video? Um, I believe that video is on our deeplittermethod.com page. Nice. So all you got to do is go to deeplittermethod.com. Uh, you'll see that video. Kristen, what was that, 20, 2015? It was three years ago. Three years ago. So my math is way off. Really? Are you sure? I thought it was 2016, so four years ago. Either way. So um, the best part about that, we joked a little bit that we were going to do something. And what did we end up doing with that chicken litter? We ended up putting it back in. Right back in there. That's how good the industrial hemp is. Uh, and that was 18 months, 18 months old. That's right. If I remember and correctly. I think, didn't we clean out Ingrid's coop as well? No, we no, no. We no, didn't need to bring that up. Did. Thanks a lot. <laughs> oh, 
sorry. Sorry. I thought I, cl- I thought I saw that. I cleaned it out, and I still have to put that together in a video. Well, Ingrid probably uses that in her garden, so she needed that for her garden. I did. So yeah. speaking of garden, uh, I want to let all my listeners know I can't wait. So next week we have Bethany who has just moved from Santa Fe, New Mexico. You guys may know her if you've watched our videos on the custom chicken coop, the big brown custom chicken coop we did in Santa Fe, New Mexico, almost a year ago now. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Anyways, she has just moved to Maryland to start her own business, so I can't wait to give her a plug there. But she is a, uh, a gardener, and she started her own company where she's going to come on and educate us about companion growing, I believe she called Does that sound right? Companion planting. Companion planting. See, I can't get it right. We're going to talk about what to plant, what to grow, so that it's a wonderful benefit for your chickens. So that will be coming up soon, uh, next week. Okay. So, so is this where the bad news love, comes? No, we and we love Bethany, and I'm excited to see her again. Um, all right, I, I have one more good one, but I think I'm going to wait that to the end. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm probably going to need it. So one person said, um, you're using hemp bales. That's not chicken safe. Literally, hemp in the, in the 1960s contaminated meat-producing chickens and veterinarians are becoming more aware of the dangers. And he went on. His name is Nathan Miller. So basically, he just – it was basically the misconception conception about hemp, about so we, it not being safe for chickens. So he, this Nathan Miller said, you're using hemp bales. That's not chicken safe. Hemp in the 1960s contaminated meat-producing chickens. Yeah, I can't imagine why. I don't know how that would be dangerous for chickens if they're just stepping over it. You know, all right, uh, so I guess, you know, one of the things is, uh, and for all my YouTube chicken police out there, um, definitely, please, by all means, one, thank you for watching our video. Thank you for your comment. But if it's going to be negative, or you're going to say something like that, please explain yourself. Um, that makes no sense to me. But now I'm going to take some time. We're going to figure that out. I can't imagine how that can't be safe. And I tell you, I've been into enough commercial farms. Uh, raising meat birds, uh, they could use some hemp. <laughs> um, yeah, he he went on to say that it, it, it doesn't hold warmth. It, it, it molds easily and uh, with moisture and, and things like that. But I don't um, – that, that was kind of what he – I didn't read the whole thing on the air, but that's pretty much what he's saying, I guess, for why it's not healthy. Oh, my god! But we don't find that to be the case. Yeah, not I've at all. I've never seen it mold in the chicken coop. Um. Here's another one that I thought was interesting. It says, are you saying it's healthier for the chicken? You keep saying it's healthier for the chickens. You should explain why it's healthier because leaving the litter for two years goes against common sense. <laughs> oh, boy. And I tell you, there's one thing we're lacking right now is a lot of common sense. You know, the best analogy, and, and Kristen, you know, obviously bring in your two cents. I'm sure you have some. Um, it reminds me of, and this is going to be a great question when we have our, our chicken veterinarian coming on hopefully soon. When I – sent my maybe two years old at the time my boy to daycare and i'll never forget the admin there saying don't be surprised if he's gonna get sick get some more sniffles and at, at first i'm like oh that, that sucks but what you realize is it helps to build their immune system sometimes you've got to get out there and get dirty it's really that simple um what really is not common sense is to try to sterilize your chicken coop all the time that's not healthier for your chickens uh what we're doing that's screwing us all up even our own children they're not getting out getting dirty. That's not making you healthier. So that's the only way I can explain it. So I do apologize that I don't go into great detail. I keep getting criticized. I need to shorten, need to shorten the videos. 
but um, th that is that is a good question. That is a good point. So again, that's my understanding, and I can tell you that from having deep litter myself. I mean, our coop hasn't been cleaned out six years. You know, and you can eat your lunch in there. Speaking of that, make sure if you guys haven't seen the video, uh, we got a new production team. Uh, Jessica and Tim out of Nashville, Tennessee, did an amazing job. Um, we got a really cool video. Please check that out. I hope you guys like it and, and share it. That's the that's the most important thing. Um, but you know, it's just has not been an issue. You know, if it was, I don't think I'd be in business right now. No, and the and the the microbes. You need the microbes to work. It's why chickens great in what in the soil and scratching around that's that's what they need to be in um another thing that people asked and i thought you kind of addressed this and somebody else questioned it too about um that it heats up the the coop and they're afraid like in a climate like florida that it's the hemp is going to help heat up the coop so why don't you explain that's not an issue right that is not an issue because in a great video is bethany and we should bring this up again next week um it's anaerobic composting right not aerobic composting now once you take your nitrogen and your carbon uh from an anaerobic to aerobic state where now you're introducing more oxygen coming especially from the ground it then it will heat up those are the last stages of it composting of it breaking down that doesn't happen inside the hen house um, and one of the things that she described when she was first seeing our chicken coop is she talked about the hue manure <laughs> i'll never forget where she went over yeah. to was it kenya africa i think um and learned how to compost hue manure in bins and it was the same exact thing so well, tell it, tell people what human that's human manure just so people yeah know human manure human manure chicken feces or i'm sorry human feces um, yes, that they had to learn how to compost. So I have never seen it actually heat up, but definitely compost when you get it to that last part of the breaking down process, it will warm up. I mean, gosh, you, I, there's people that will run water in a hose to that compost to get hot water uh, up to 170 degrees Fahrenheit, believe it or not. So it's absolutely incredible. So that does not happen inside our hen houses. Um, and again, the biggest reason is we're actually not allowing oxygen to get in. Right, and I can speak to that too because we also do hot compost here, um, and our goal is to get our compost in our composters for our garden up to 140 degrees. And I live in Raleigh in the summer, and I've had the chickens in the in the in their American coop, and it doesn't get too hot in there at all. So I can I'm a perfect example of how that doesn't happen. And here's the last one I'm going to end on, Matt, because I'm going to make you smile. You, you promise. Um, <laughs> yes. They said, um, so they, they liked the, the video, and they said, also, if I buy one of these lovely Carolina coops, do I get a handsome man to help me clean it out every 18 months? This is a good deal. <laughs> Whatever you want. Absolutely. We'll, <laughs> I'll send Jimmy right on down there. You right, Jimmy? <laughs> no, that, that is nice. That is nice. Again, to all our YouTube subscribers, even our YouTube chicken police out there, uh, we couldn't be where we would not be where we are today without you guys and, and keep bringing in the feedback keep commenting please hit that notification bell please share please do all those things to promote who we are because uh, I want to continue obviously growing our business this whole thing is paid by Carolina coops and that's you know the biggest reason why we're here is I want to make sure people learn about our coops but also 
if you're not going to buy a Koopa mine, I want you to listen and learn to be able to build your own. And then also maybe in the meantime, buy that industrial hemp. The stuff is awesome. And then, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the, uh, the, the chicken water system. Uh, pretty soon Ingrid's going to have that up on Amazon, right, Ingrid? Ingrid, keep up That's the good fine. work. That's fine. You guys do it. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Annette, good morning. Good morning. How can we help you today? Can you hear me? Yes, and she's from Jacksonville, Florida. How is everything in Florida today? Sunny and bright. Must be nice. How can we help you today? Um, well, I've been looking at a Carolina coop for several years now. And my issue is the shipping and putting it together. Mm -hmm. Because I'm in Florida, I know that the shipping costs like basically like a third of the price of the item. And also, I'm a widow, and I really don't have anybody that I know that can help me put this together. And I'm not that savvy with tools. I can, I can change a doorknob. How easy is it to put together? Could I do it myself? I think you can. I think anyone can put these coops together themselves. Uh, and we are do, we're working every single day harder and harder trying to make it so that anyone can put it together. Uh, and one of the biggest things we're going to be coming up with soon, especially for the American coop and the California coop, is a step-by-step -step video. We do have step-by-step -step visual instructions. I actually got the idea from my son's Lego instructions, so they're very visual. But here's, here's yeah. the thing. You know, I get this question all the time. How hard is it to put together? Everyone's skill level is different. And then the other thing is you're going to need some patience. And the reason why you're going to need patience is you've got to understand this is a 3D puzzle. And everything is cut so perfectly and it's intended that way so that when you do put it together, it trues itself up like putting together a puzzle piece or a, a puzzle with puzzle pieces. Um, but if you're off, if that one board isn't perfectly flush, it does domino effect. So one of the things I do know we're going to be doing here soon is more step-by-step -step videos. You can go back in time, uh, back to uh, when I didn't have any hair on my head, uh, so I apologize in advance, but some old videos, maybe five, six years ago, where what we did is when we would ship out a Carolina coupe, or even a custom coupe for that matter, we would actually do a step-by-step -step video on how to put the coupe, their specific coupe together. And I've heard a lot of our customers go back to that video and see a lot of the tips and tricks that I have. So if you haven't had a chance, go check that out. Also, I, I do have some good news. I love working out win-win situations. We're going to Jacksonville. We are headed to Jacksonville. Um, and if we have room on the trailer, I have definitely been known to make a win-win situation because I, we just love making people happy. We love what we do. And it, it would be even more fun. You know, Maybe we can strike a deal. We'll put it together. Right, you and I, we can we can have a good time putting this coop together. I think you'd be very surprised. It's not that difficult. Is there a particular chicken coop? Uh, you you mentioned the Carolina coop, but is that is there a specific coop that you have your eye on? The American coop. I was just looking at the smallest one. I've got chills right now, thinking I'm gonna get to meet you guys first of all, and then like I'm gonna actually get some help out here on this farm. Oh my goodness, it's been the longest year. Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure. I know we can help you out. Um, this is a lot of people don't see this, and this is another reason why I wanted to do RadioChicken.com so many times, right, Kristen? How many times have we walked into people's homes? The stories we have some incredible stories, and it's amazing. You know, we're not just yes. building chicken coops. I would like to bring in on some of those stories. I think that would be a nice addition. We really should, especially if we did like a follow up call. Um, so, but this this is again why I want to do radio chicken.com so people can hear these conversations because we 
you know, I always tell people, you're going to love your coop, but you have to love us. And there's no better feeling, especially as the owner of this company, as an entrepreneur. The biggest paycheck is when I – I'm sorry. Are you still there? Go ahead. Are you okay? I'm still here. Yes. (laughs) Well, I um, will definitely help you out. I do know uh, we are coming to Jacksonville, Florida. What you can do is, just, you know, do me a favor. Give our shop a call, 919-794-3989. Uh, give us a call. Ask for Nan or McKenzie. And if you're lucky, you might even get Evan Archer, the man, the legend, the brains behind everything. Um, <laughs> let us know what coop you want. And, again, we always do what we can to help people out because at the end of the day, uh, like my father always told me, you give a little, you get a lot. And there's no better feeling than making someone's life better. And you guys become our best salespeople out there. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's my I, pleasure. I really just wanted to know, like, I was looking at, like, the least expensive coop. Should I get it without the run? Or, you know, we got hawks and eagles here, so I'm afraid for their little lives. But just, I really appreciate it. Because the shipping and uh, putting it together, um, I feel like I can afford it, but I just it would just be boards in my yard because I can't put it together. <laughs> well, you'll be surprised. Uh, we're gonna we'll, give us a call. We'll we'll talk. We'll definitely help you out the best we can, especially that we're already coming to Jacksonville, Florida. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for this podcast. And you said you have to be patient. I'm a teacher and. I've done my class, my teaching for the day, and I'm like, oh, the podcast is on. Let me hop on and see if it's still going. So I just hopped on a few minutes ago just so I could hear, and I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. You're Um, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you calling. I appreciate you uh, waiting for us to get to your call. Oh, it's no problem. I didn't even think I was going to be on. I, I thought I was just listening. (laughs) <laughs> no worries. <laughs> thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Uh-oh. Kristen, do you hear it? Does everyone hear that? What time is it? Chickens, chickens in the news. Chickens in the news. All right. So, Kristen, I hope uh, I can't imagine uh, what's going on lately. I have no clue. I haven't been following any news lately. Um, well, this one we actually talked about, and it's not really backyard chickens, but it, it made us both laugh. Here locally in Raleigh, North Carolina, we've had a semi-local chicken processing plant get rid of their fresh bulk chicken. And here in Raleigh, we have a headline line forming overnight. People sleep in cars to get bulk chicken. Uh, I just, I just, this just made me laugh and it made the, uh, I just want to make the point that even though we talk about egg laying chickens day in and day out, and that's our true love, meat chickens have a place and this is, and they're dual, dual purpose, you know, chickens can be eggs or meat. And here we have people sleeping in their cars overnight to get chicken. That is, I I, I just love this article. Yeah, that's incredible. So you said that's right in Raleigh, North Carolina. Right, right. They were selling 40 pounds of chicken for $45. 40? And they did it several times. It just, it, people were lined up for miles to get chicken. So, 
Last week it was about baby chicks. This week it's about chicken. It's just dual purpose. Yeah, it's just nice to, um, you know, it, it's, it's sad, one, to think about how sensitive our food supply is. But again, this is why I was mentioning earlier, sometimes it's a good thing. It's good that people wake up. And if you're, you're going to sleep in your car overnight to get some uh, meat, in this case chickens, definitely uh, you may want to think about, you know, we do talk a lot about laying chickens and we love them. But also, and we've been seeing this in our emails and phone calls, a lot of people interested in raising meat birds. I know uh, maybe some of our listeners are like, oh my gosh, Matt, you're, I, I almost had a lady hang up on me one time where we talked about processing a, a chicken. Uh, but it is a very real thing. And that is just incredible. Sleeping overnight waiting to get some chickens um and then i have to admit i've never gone and bought a whole chicken to eat uh but that that sounds like a good price that was almost like a, uh you, you said 40 four dollars for 40 pounds for 45 dollars but yeah now is that a good deal or is that is a supply and demand causing the price to go up that is a good deal nice nice all right well that's cool all right anything else in the news that's it for today. That's it for today. Awesome. Let's go over some questions. I'm not sure if it's going to be chicken-related, coop-related. Um, we got a couple more minutes. We'll go over some questions here. Um, there is a gentleman named Jason asks, what type of roofing material lasts the longest? That is a very interesting question because, you know, the most common roofing material, asphalt shingles, you see on a lot of homes, a good shingle is supposed to last 30, 40 years. Um, but I, the thing is, if you're building a chicken coop, yes, obviously all the materials you want to last as long as possible, but nothing beats metal. Metal also has a 40 year warranty, uh, on the metal. And it's actually for the paint. It's to make sure that, um, the paint doesn't fade or chip. Uh, but if you're looking for what's going to last the longest, I would still do metal and I would almost bet metal's going to last longer. We should maybe Google that and see what it comes up with. And also the nice thing about metal is if you're collecting rainwater, it's the safest way to collect rainwater. Also metal is going to be a lot lighter for your structure and a lot quicker to install. And again, because it's metal, you have a very high TSR total solar reflectance makes it nice and cool for your girls. Um, your hemp is out of stock period. Is it going to continue? <laughs> Gosh, I hope not. Um, again, you know, I, uh, you know, I was told not to apologize, but I'm going to apologize. I mean, it's just there's so much uncertainty right now. We are working so hard just getting everything in. It's not just the hemp, the, the screen, the, the metal roofing, you name it. It's been a fight every single day. Uh, but I've told my team business as usual. I'm not going to use the coronavirus as an excuse. Um, but is it? Is this related to the coronavirus supply chain issues? Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? Okay. Big time. I was just wondering. It's so scary. It is. Um, you know, and, and like I met with my team this morning, we had an emergency meeting. Um, this is only going to make you better period. You know, I've, I've learned after doing this for 12 years, when you are faced with a crisis, uh, it's a good thing. It's like rebooting the computer. Sometimes you just got, you got to get a little kick in the ass, uh, and you'll learn something new. And, um, I, I think we have definitely gotten better, you know, and, and honestly, the coronavirus is what's really sparked this radio chicken. And I, I tell you, I mean, how's that make you feel to have a listener call and say, thank you. Yeah, well, yeah. people say thank you to you all the time. I've, I've heard that so many times when people see you coming and when they see you go. They're always sad to see you go because you just it's, – it's, it's such a gift that you're providing. And this, what makes me so excited about this work is, this, is your coop is that bridge between the human and the pet 
and it all comes together with your coop. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and it really does. You know, it's it's amazing what we've gotten to see over the years. Uh, do chicks ever get vaccinated without notice? You know, I don't know. Uh, what do you any any thoughts on that? Without notice, what does yeah, that do mean? Do chicks ever get? In other words, you're going to order some baby chicks, and you think they're not vaccinated, but they are. You know, the government steps in and tells oh. Purdue, tells Murray McMurray, you better vaccinate them. We don't want any coronavirus in the chickens without notice. I wouldn't know. You know, and there is a big debate. Do you or do you not order baby chicks vaccinated or not? And, you know, one of the things I didn't know for a little while, um, bantams you don't vaccinate, right? Because the needle is too big for their neck. And there's a lot of people that have bantams, love their bantams. So anyway, so do I, I need to? I've, I've heard that a lot of the, the vaccinations now are um, gas. They put a, a gas into the box and they breathe it in, but. We'll have to verify that. We have to verify that. I've never heard that before. Yeah. No kidding. All right. So uh, we do have a caller that came on real quick. Uh, let's get through a couple more questions. We'll get to the caller. Um, what thicknesses are the sheets on your HDPE beds? Are your wall panel size exactly six? Well, this person must be definitely building a chicken coop. Uh, so I guess this is the time to ask some questions. So the HDPE, uh, it's half inch and quarter inch. Are your wall panel sized exactly six foot or eight foot? The lengths are six foot and the height is six foot. So they are exactly six foot by six foot standard. Customs, that's a whole nother world. Another lady, Kathleen, asks, isn't hemp also good for preventing bumblefoot? Well, so bumblefoot um, is a staph infection, correct? That's right. And they get the infection because their foot gets a cut from the bacteria, yes. gets in there and gets it infected. So I would say, in a way, yeah. Um, you know, you want the chickens, you know, always think about where did chickens originate from? And that's the forest floor. So whether it's inside the hen house, whether it's inside the run, they don't want to be on screen. They don't want to be on sand. They don't want to be on pebbles. They want to be on rich, dark, organic soil. Think about years and years and years of those leaves falling, the berries falling, the nuts falling, the droppings from the monkeys, you know, whatever. It just builds up that forest floor, and that's what's ideal for chickens. So I guess you could make the argument, right? What would you say to that? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, deep layer can contribute to it, but hemp doesn't have sharp edges that shavings of straw has, right? Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I, you know, you can do pine shavings. You really can. I've never seen an issue with it, but when you really want to split hairs, I guess you that is a value a valued argument, right? Right, it is softer. <laughs> Alan May asks if Ingrid ever got her new roof. I, I think Ingrid put that in there. So yeah, we don't we, <laughs> we don't need to with really inside get information. Yeah, geez. So, yeah, so Ingrid's one of our original Americoop uh, customers. And long story short, if you don't know this, one of my attempts at making sure that's the best coop for the best price, we did roofing the way you're not supposed to. But I got the idea from uh, these carports in Texas. And they're just a bear to install. So we did away with it. We're back to doing things the way they should be. Uh, Ingrid will, I promise, she will get her roof. And I can't wait to shoot that video. Um, anyways, so we have a caller. Let's go ahead. Uh, we have Randy, uh, Long Beach, California. What a great place. How are you doing, Matt? Hey, how are you, Randy? Good, good. Yeah, I called last week, and I forgot to ask. Um, I'm building my own coop, and um, the flooring for it um if i put plywood down a nice piece of plywood down for the flooring how does that hemp work with that is it 
does it uh, hold up pretty good or do I need to check it more often because I don't have the uh, high deficiting uh, uh, material in there? Yeah, great question. So here's where, you know, we got to keep it simple. And I know a lot of people are thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to build a hen house. I'm going to put plywood down and uh, we're going to keep a year's worth of chicken droppings in there, if not more. It is perfectly fine. Even though, yes, we use our food safe high density polyethylene. Biggest reason why I use it is because you can't knock it. You can't question it. It is the best material when it comes to something like this for giving people right. peace of mind. However, I know firsthand, and Kristen, you mentioned in the beginning, your, when you told me about Deep Litter System, you had, what, 30 chickens in a 4x4 four four hen house. And it was, I remember it was a plywood flooring, and there was no smell. I don't know if you ever had any problems with it, Kristen, but basically, remember your carbon, your, your media at the bottom, in this case, the industrial hemp, that's what's going to absorb the moisture, not the plywood. If your plywood starts to absorb the moisture, something's out of whack. You might have too many chickens, or maybe you don't have enough carbon in there, to, uh, in this case, the industrial hemp, made, uh, to act as the diaper. But if you are wanting to prevent and be proactive, Think of it like a wooden salad bowl. You can have a wooden salad bowl and you take a food safe oil and let that wood soak up the oil. That way, if there ever is moisture near that plywood, there's nowhere for the moisture to go because the moisture is what feeds the wood destroying organism. So as long as that moisture can't get in, you will be in good shape. Right. I, well, I thought about purchasing or trying to find that, uh, that material that you have, but it's just kind of like a little tough to find around here. It is, uh, and it is terribly expensive. Um, I wish it wasn't, but it is, and I know it definitely works for us, especially because we buy it in large quantities. We have sold. We've custom-cut high-density polyethylene on our CNC machine for customers building their own coops, but they didn't save any money. But what they said is it was available, and they got exactly what they want. Uh, so depending on your budget and what you're trying to do, we could definitely help you out there. However, okay. three-quarter plywood, Doug for Southern Yellow. Just, I, you know, you could almost make the argument to use pressure treated, but I know people are freaking out right now just by even saying those two words together. Uh, you know, the yeah, whole no, idea I, is. I I'm sorry? Uh, no, I don't want to do the pressure treated inside the coop. Uh, I know I have it around the bottom, but not. Uh, right. I don't want it inside the house. Right. And it's not necessary, but if you were worried about it. But again, the main thing is your deep, your deep litter, your compost, your, your industrial hemp, or if you're using pine shavings, that is what you gotta make sure you set up correctly and have enough of to absorb that moisture. And all, all the plywood is, all that bottom of that hen house is, is just to contain the material. It's not to contain the moisture, it's to right. contain the material to contain the moisture. I see. Yeah, I'm on your uh, email list for uh, the hemp coming in, so I'm, I'm one of the 300 or 400, how many people are in there now. So. <laughs> well, thank you very much, I do appreciate it. Hey, well, if you're ever out in California, you know, you and your crew, come on out and uh, give us a holler. We will. A lot of custom coops coming up, and we love California. Can't wait to get back out there. Thank you for calling. Uh, all right. Sounds great. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. All righty, Chris, we have a couple more questions. You got a couple more minutes? Yeah, let's go. All right. See, we still got some listeners out there. I hope you guys are enjoying the show. And, again, I just want to mention, please uh, go to Instagram. Follow us if you're not already following there. Share this as a podcast, we want to get as much attention as possible, get as many 
followers and listeners. So please, everyone, if you could do that for us, that would be great. Um, Wood, Woodworm. Woodworm says, we are building our first coop. We are bor borrowing your design. We are going to... We're going to an AE home, some X battery hens, and they are usually 18 to 24 months old. At this age, will they learn to use a roost or a water bar system like yours? Are there any design changes to your coop that you would make for chickens that have spent all their lives in cages? Ah. They're going to rehome. They're going to rehome. What would you say to that? That's a great question. I've never, ever been asked that. I some experience with those hens and they still maintain all of the fantastic chicken instincts so they they will um just give them a little bit of time they've they've been through a lot so they're gonna be uh, a little bit shy a little bit hesitant a little bit reserved but they will roost they will use an automatic watering system and they do have all of the fantastic chicken instinct ingrained great answer i love it love to hear that um and that's an interesting subject uh i just i never i hate to say it i never was aware that that was something that could be um so giving them a second chance that's awesome so and and actually if you guys are doing that if you have any pictures please share that put that out on social media i think that is absolutely awesome so all right Ingrid, or, uh, Kristen, I'm, I'm ready to wrap it up how about you okay thank you so much Kristen, for your time uh, once again, awesome job. Uh, love having you here uh, to help answer all those tough chicken questions. And for all our listeners out there, thank you so much. Thank you for uh, checking us out. Please give us a thumbs up. Please follow us. Go to Facebook, Instagram, and definitely share RadioChicken.com. And if you have any questions, please submit them. Please feel free to call in 929-32-COOPS, or you can submit your questions at RadioChicken.com. Sounds good. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait till next week. Yes, and we got a brand new mixer board coming. So hopefully it'll sound even better. I can't wait to see all those bells and whistles. Again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Goodbye.